Good evening, Central family. It's great to be here with you again in this evening as we worship the Lord, even from the comfort of our homes. And tonight I would like to start uh, from a scripture from Psalm 123 that says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon uh, so let me just pray in this moment as we start. Lord, we come to you this evening uh, and we look to you as we just read. Uh, as, as a servant looks to the hand of their master, we look to you. We want to worship you. We want to adore you. We prostrate ourselves be, before you, Lord, and, and our hearts uh, want to exalt your holy name this evening lord and lord i ask you that you will help us enable us even from the comfort of our homes to truly worship you in spirit and in truth that we will listen to your word being preached that we will sing praises to the only one who is really worthy of them that we will hear your scripture read that we will um pray and and lord that truly your name will be exalted tonight so help us lord help me we ask you in the precious name of jesus amen just briefly to say uh just a reminder about uh, our giving in this uh, even in this under these circumstances we recognize that this is a difficult time but we look to the lord he is our provider and he is is the one that gives us graciously all good gifts come from above so just wanted to remind our congregation about that and we're going to have now our scripture reading and chido is going to read for us good evening church today's bible reading is from genesis chapter 4 verses 17 to 26 Verse 17, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Arad, and Arad fathered Mehujel, and Mehujel fathered Methushel, and Methushel fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. 
Our Father, we come into your presence tonight with thanksgiving and praise. We thank you that we might worship you and adore you. Lord, as Peter said, to whom shall we go? Because you have the words of everlasting life. We want to praise you and exalt your name and wish to be in your presence and in your word. In the words of the psalmist who said, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Lord, we have need of you every hour, every day, because in you we want to move and have our being. We want to walk in your Spirit and be led of the Spirit and show the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. We thank you for all you've done in our church and in our individual lives. We thank you that we can have your word that we might hear what you have to say to us. And we pray, Lord, that as the word is broken for us tonight, that it might be in bite-sized pieces and that it might be to the nourishment of our souls and to your glory. We thank you for the many people who have recovered from illness and injury. We thank you for providing for us physically and spiritually. But Lord, we want to pray for all of those who are still ill, who are in the throes of this COVID disease. We pray that you will be there comforting them and being with them. We want to pray for those of our number who are bereaved, that your Holy Spirit would comfort them. We also want to pray for those who are in financial difficulties, physical difficulties, Lord, that you would be there and provide for them. And in accordance with your word, we want to pray for our country and its leaders. And we pray, Lord, that the righteousness might prevail and, Lord, that our people might know what is right and do what is is right. We thank you that we might be in your house tonight because Lord there is no other place we would like to be even though physically we are not together. We thank you that collectively we can worship you and be in your presence. We thank you for this because Lord we know our times are in your hands and we feel safe with you. We ask all these things in the name of the precious Lord Jesus. Amen. Lord, indeed you are worthy of all our praise. You alone are worthy, Lord. In this moment, this night, uh, we stop for a second and we want to behold you, Lord. We want to uh, to pause and, and adore your holy name. You alone are worthy. And, and Lord, um, we thank you for Jesus Christ who made a way that we can have access to the Father and present our requests to Him. We thank you because we, we can enjoy your presence. We thank you because the same 
power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us. We thank you because your Holy Spirit indwells us. We thank you because we are not alone. We thank you because you are uh, holding us. You are the one that makes us persevere. You carry us every step of the way. Lord, it is your hand in our life every single day. It is your mercy. It is your grace. Where would we be without you? Oh God, only you are worthy. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you because you can sing praises. Thank you because our life is has meaning because of, of you. Thank you because you have saved us. You have given us a purpose. You, you shine your light through us. Thank you because though we fail you, you remain faithful. Lord, you are God. You are amazing. And Lord, tonight we, we want to express all of that with our mouths and our hearts, saying you are worthy of all our praise, of all our worship, of all of our adoration, O God. So Lord, prepare our hearts now to listen to your word. O God, I ask you that you would help me, please, please help me to just be a faithful messenger of what you are saying. And Lord, I don't know who are people that really need to listen to this message, Lord. And I, I, I pray, actually starting from my own heart, that you will help me to hear what you have to say, but that you will prepare the hearts of those that are listening, that they will hear and obey your word, Lord. And so help us here, bless us as we dig into your word. In the precious name of Jesus, Amen. So we are carrying on on our series. This is our second last message on our series on Second Thessalonians. And so we invite you to open your Bibles there in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And we are going to be reading from verse 6 to 15. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 6 to 15. This is what the Word of God says. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him 
as a brother. Amen. Now, we on Sunday evenings, generally, we have a lot of students. Um, so um, part of this will be addressing that kind of that generation. Um, but I think it applies to everyone. So it is a common trade amongst millennials these days, a sense of entitlement. We see um, from an article in Time magazine a few years ago, listen to some of these stats. The incidence of narcissistic personality disorder is nearly three times as high for people in their 20s as far as for the generation that's now 65 or older. According to the National Institutes of Health, 58% more college students scored higher on a narcissism scale in 2009 than in 1982. Millennials got so many participation trophies growing up that a recent study showed that 40% believed they should be promoted every two years regardless of performance. They are fame-obsessed. Three times as many middle school girls want to grow up to be a personal assistant to a famous person as want to be a senator. According to a 2007 survey, four times as many would pick the assistant job over CEO of a major corporation. They're so convinced of their own greatness that the National Study of Youth and Religion found the guiding morality of 60% of millennials in any situation is that, listen to this, they'll just be able to feel what is right. Their development is stunned. More, more, more people ages 18 to 29 live with their parents than with a spouse, according to the 2012 Clark University poll of emerging adults. And they are lazy. In 1992, the Nonprofit Families and Work Institute reported that 80% of people under 23 wanted to one day have a job with greater responsibility. Ten years later, only 60% did. And I, I can't imagine uh, that number has gone up. I believe it probably has gone down since these numbers came out. But not, not all is bad things. There are cool things about the millennials, they are tech-savvy, resourceful, um, multitaskers, uh, eco-conscious, team players, enthusiastic. So we, we, see, we see this in, in our culture today. There is a sense of, if you hear, and you hear about rights all the time, right? We hear uh, gay rights, transgender rights, healthcare rights, abortion rights. Uh, we hear, we hear that um, all of these things, and there is a sense in which someone owes us something. Either the mayor or political party or government owes us something. Now, of course, we pay taxes and the government ought to be accountable in the managing of those funds. However, my point this evening is to warn against idleness, laziness. You may think, what does this have to do with what you just mentioned about rice and all, all of that? The answer is simple. The more dependent we become of someone or some entity, the easier it becomes for someone to become idle or lazy. 
Now, right now in the States, um, with this lockdown and now the economy is, is slowly uh, backing, uh, re returning to normal, but they are having a huge problem and there's a big uh, uh, political debate going on because there is a lot of jobs, but not a lot of people are taking those jobs. And many believe, and I think they're probably partly right, that the reason is there is this check that every month that comes from the government. So it is easier to stay on the couch and get a check every month than to actually go out and work. And so tonight we we're going to be speaking about idleness and, and laziness. And we'll see that this is very important in the mind of Paul. But before we, we go into that, I do want to touch a little bit, just briefly, and it's not going to be comprehensively, but in, in terms of a theology of, of work, which leads us to our next point, work is good. Work is good. Now, it's a good thing. We sometimes may feel like, man, it's such a drag, and, and you, you see all these memes about Mondays, and going back to work, and oh my word, and it almost feels like a result of the curse. In our minds, we may, we may think like, you know, the way we're supposed to live is, is um, sitting on a, a bench by the beach, standing, um, and, and that's how life's supposed to be. But the Bible tells us this is not the case. L look at this verse in Genesis 2.15. The Bible says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Work came before the fall. Work came be before the fall. Work is a good thing. Work is good and intended by God. And we work not just because of what we get out of it, but even working itself helps us, it motivates, it brings some meaning and purpose. Um, you can ask, I was chatting earlier with, with Jamie, and she's on holiday now, and when, when someone stays at home for too long, and, and it just feels like, Ugh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not how it's supposed to be. Work is a good thing. And not only that, we see the example from God himself, that he's always at work. Psalm 121 says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's not, he's not slumbering nor, nor sleeping. He's constantly at work. Even in even our week, the way it looks as, as Christians and believers, we ought to follow the example of, of God Himself who created the world in six days and then He rested. And that is why we, we take a Sabbath or we take a rest seriously because this is how there is a work ethic that the Bible gives us. The hill before the, um, this last lockdown, during our adult Bible class, we were talking about work as worship. And we were reminded there that God has given us work to use for His glory. And to do it well, not because of our bosses or even the pay, but to do it as for the Lord. Colossians 3, 24, 25 
says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage us here that that work is a good thing, is not a bad thing, it's, 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 it's a thing that God has placed in our hands for us to do in whatever situation you are in, in whatever kind of, of, of work that, that do it as for the Lord heartily for Him. Work is a good thing, is not a cursed thing, is a good thing. So going back to our text, we see a couple of commands uh, from Paul, and we're going to have a, a look at some of these. So our first command we see in, in verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness just so far. In that word idleness, we um, the, the, the Greek also um, portrays a meaning of disorderly and we know from from the context that it's it's obvious here of what Paul is talking about in terms of laziness of not working and here's here's the command church listen to this this is the command that Paul is giving to the church in Thessalonica stay away from the lazy brother and that's our point there stay away from the lazy brother now, this may seem very harsh, but because after all, right, we, we're supposed to um, help one another. And, but listen to how serious Paul is about this. He's saying, they in verse 6, stay away from, from the lazy brother. In, in verse um, uh, 14, it makes the same correlation. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him. This whole section, Paul is addressing laziness. Now, he touched on it on First Thessalonians, on his first letter, and obviously things didn't, didn't get any better. Now, this wasn't a, a widespread... Um, culture in their church but there were individuals in the church of Thessalonica that were lazy and that they were sponging off other people and um, this is even uh, some some commentators believe that this is even um, a kind of a step in into church discipline church discipline in in you know you you staying away staying away from from the lazy brothers stay away from them this is this is the command now this is you know even to my um to my amazement in in preparing this sermon this is is quite something that we don't hear so much and we wouldn't even think about it it's like paul is actually saying be apart from the lazy brother now he gives us a couple of the reasons why these believers um, in Thessalonica were supposed to stay away from the lazy brothers. Um, firstly, they were not following tradition. Yeah, still in verse 6. 
um, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Now, this is what, what happens. There were Paul and other missionaries had already instructed them of uh, a work ethic of of not being lazy. Of um, Paul himself was was uh, had a, a tent business, and and so there was a tradition both passed to them in example and orally. And yet these brothers were not following it. They were they were supposed to to work, but they were not. Um, in, in verse 7, we see, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. So in other words, they weren't being lazy um, and, and were behaving in a way just because they didn't know. Um, actually, they had specific instructions, tradition, both by example and orally, and they were blatantly disobeying. See what it says. They knew how they ought to imitate. And Paul and the rest of the missionaries did not show them uh, an example of idleness, but, but of work. So they were disregarding this entire tradition that they knew about. So that's the first reason that Paul gives. The second one is that they were becoming a burden to other believers. See in verse 8, nor, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but we toil and labor, we work night and day, that we might not be a burden for any of you. Now, I want to infer this point from the text, um, though uh, not expli- explicitly, it seems safe to assume, um, both from this verse. In, in other words, Paul is contrasting their their example to what the people these lazy brothers were doing they were not working and they were becoming a burden to other believers and and then secondly um in in verse 13 we see there as for you brothers do not grow weary in doing good now um many of some of the scholars believe this is referring to those brothers who have been almost abused and and uh, been helping these lazy brothers and got tired of it. You brothers, don't grow worried in doing good. You know, it's, don't grow w- w- um, weary in in helping. You know, I know that you're tired. And I know that these brothers, these lazy brothers, have been exploiting you, uh, but. But don't stop doing good because of that. And so these lazy brothers were being a burden to other believers. Now, I want to say that I've seen this in in ministry, in, in my ministry. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't start that way. Sometimes it's it's someone who helps someone in need and, and it does out of the goodness of their hearts. And then what happens is then the the brother in need starts coming back and coming back coming back to a point that actually creates a a, a sense of uh, I, every time i see him he just ask me for things i remember having a conversation with a young man which was a, a similar case and and i just said to him i was very honest and blunt and said listen i'm not 
we need to fix our relationship because it's I don't want to see you anymore because every time I see you you're just asking me for things. I I feel used. What kind of relationship is and so the dynamic the relationship kind of breaks down and then the dynamics of the relationship between believers becomes now tense. And I've seen this not just with, with my life, but even other believers that that suddenly maybe feel trapped because they, they helped, but now uh, they feel that they are being exploited. And, and the, the relationships turn sour. And then you no longer want to deal with this brother. Because you know, oh, they're going to ask me for stuff. And so, they were being a burden to other believers. And so, Paul's command was, stay away from them. Stay away from them. Now, the, the second command we see, it's just as harsh Um just a serious, and in verse 10, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So, some, um, the picture seems to be that, that some of these people were stopped working, and they're waiting for the second coming of Christ. We, we don't know for certain if this was exactly the reason why but they were not willing to work and instead they were being meddlers and busybodies they were getting into um, uh, other people's business we'll get to that in a moment but I, I like how this one commentator puts it these persons were laying down their tools running from one brother to another with fantastic stories about Christ's immediate return that they had already arrived, making extravagant claims for the truthfulness of their thrilling tales, returning home without the day's wages to buy food, then attempting to sponge on others or even on the benevolence fund of the church, meddling in the affairs of the authorities. And so, Paul's command here is very clear. If this brother is being lazy and is not willing to work, don't feed him. Don't feed him. William Hendrickson, uh, another commentator, puts, well, uh, when he says, um, this was referring to the sluggard who does not want to work and who proceeds from the idea, the church owes me a living. Now, if we substitute the word church for, war, for the word world or government, we find many in the same position in our day and age. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, um, this happens. That the church, the church helps and, and other people help. And, and suddenly they, they will become um, completely dependent on that. The command here is clear. If someone is not willing to work, let him go hungry, that they will learn the lesson and repent. Now we're here talking about the church. We're talking about um, believers. We're talking, notice that he uses the word brothers. So we've seen stay away from the lazy person. 
If he is not willing to work, don't let him eat. But thirdly, encourage him to work. In contrast to being meddlers and getting into everybody's business, Paul commands them to work quietly and earn their own living. Look at verse 12. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Encourage this brother to work. Encourage the lazy brother to work. Now we live in a society, especially in this today's day and age in universities, I, I see it a lot. There is a lot of sympathy uh, towards socialism and communism where we look to the government to be the breadwinner. And yet the Bible is telling us that believers, we ought to work and earn our own living. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that any person that receives help from the government or is without a job is, is in the wrong. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, we at Central, we, we want to help those that are in need, and we have done so through this um, time of the pandemic. But the thing is, what is the attitude? What is the attitude? Are, are, we, are we just waiting uh, with, with hands open and... Yeah, please give me something or uh, I owe, uh, I have my right or you owe me this. Is the attitude to, to try and work or, or have we become just completely dependent on handouts? And, and unfortunately, I've seen this mentality. Uh, I left Brazil when I was too young. We became missionaries to Peru. Um, uh, it there was that sense that oh the the mission is from Brazil they coming yeah bring the money then we then things will work out they they the the uh, we will wait for the gringos in in Spanish here I guess it will be the I don't know mulungus I don't I don't know but there is this mentality that uh, sometimes oh unless unless you give me the handouts nothing is is gonna happen. And we ought to be encouraging believers in our church to work hard, to earn their own living, to work quietly. The Bible encourages to learn from the end. Proverbs 6, from 6 to 11 says, Go to the end, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there? O sluggard, when will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to the rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So we as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we see the brother is not even wanting to work, we, we ought to encourage to work quietly and, 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 and earn their own living. The other thing Paul says here, and he, he re, 
he repeats these words a couple of times is imitate. Imitate our work. He uses this word twice. And I believe there is a construct here. Stay away from the lazy brother and imitate our work ethic. This is what Paul was saying to the Thessalonians. Stay away from, from the lazy brothers and imitate our work ethic. Now think about it behaviorally. I think this makes complete sense. If you become close to lazy people, it will most likely make you lazier. It's just the truth. But once you are getting close to hardworking people, it, it will most likely drive you to work harder. And I think this is the point. Paul is saying, don't follow their example. Stay away from them. Stay away from that kind of work ethic. Imitate our, our example. And, and Paul, he, he didn't even have to. But he, he um, we see that he toiled and labored and worked hard to show the example. And, and we ought to, um, as a, a fellow pastor would say, not blush when we receive our salaries at the end of the month. We ought to be hardworking. I, I am thankful that uh, at Central, I can say with, with confidence that we do not have a lazy staff. Uh, in actual fact, I think they work too hard sometimes. And if you don't believe it, just go ask the wives. Um, uh, but the point is, imitate those that work hard. Verse 8 also points that to consistency. We toil and labor, we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to you. Hendrickson again speaks about this contrast between the lazy brothers and the missionaries and the tradition that they had instituted. He says, truly what the disorderly persons or, or lazy persons were doing was the very opposite of what the missionaries had done. The latter had been preaching the gospel and working at a trade besides the former did not do a stitch of real work in either direction. They were loafers and spongers. Instead of being a help, they were a hindrance to the progress of the gospel. See, Paul, Paul was a tent maker and he even says, it's not because I don't have the right to eat, because we know that Paul says that those that proclaim um, the word of God, they, they, um, they should receive double honor and, and they should live from it. And worthy is the labor of his wages. And so Paul and the missionaries had actually the right to some of these benefits. And yet they didn't make use of them. Instead, they worked hard on the side to provide an example for believers not to be lazy. And they weren't a burden to anyone. They didn't eat anyone's bread without paying. They, they showed the example of hard work. Paul gives these commands, and, but he doesn't end there. He does give us a warning. 
And that's in verse 15. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now, I know that in our nature, it will be very easy. I mean, we already got the command to say, stay away from them. You already, you already got. Now, it will be very easy and fairly easy to go a step further and start treating that person that you're staying away from with hostility and as an enemy. But Paul says, no, he's still, he's still your brother. He's still your brother. Warn him as a brother. Warn him as a brother. Don't treat him as an enemy. He's still your brother. And so, strong words regarding laziness. And my thought was, should should we just should we just end end here? You you heard the commands. Stay away from the brother, from the lazy brother. If if he's not willing to work, don't let him eat. Encourage him to work and and earn their own living. Don't treat him as an enemy. But I don't want to end that there. I want us to end lifting our eyes towards God. Gratitude for how amazing God is. Now we, we have already mentioned that God set the example in creating the world and then resting. But if we think about it, even theologically, we use this word, the work of Christ. Like Christ died on the cross. He lived the perfect life. He fulfilled the law. And he died on the cross, the work of Christ. Because of the work of Christ, we are here today. And it, if it wasn't for the work of Christ, and if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin, if He who began a good work did not bring it to completion, we would be in big trouble. And my point here is, is to say, How thankful I am that God is not a lazy God. That He is still at work. That that verse in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Now think about this. God has all the power in the universe. He, He is the person that technically... He didn't need to do any work. He can do anything by just snapping the fingers or speaking by the word of his mouth. He created the whole universe. He's an amazing God. He could just relax. But he's not a lazy God. He is working. And he is at work. He's at work in my life. He's at work in your life. And, and because of, of that, because God is working in my life, this should drive us to, I, I ought to be working. I, I can't be lazy. I can't be lazy. God has redeemed us 
for good works he, that, he pre, that He prepared beforehand. We are created for good works. Not to just stay in the couch and, and watching TV all day. <coughs> Excuse me. But God is at work. God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, and He has redeemed, and His work is still at play in our lives, transforming us from day to day, from glory to glory, to be, to, for us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And, and so, I want us to remember that, and and this was, it's a, I believe it's a tough passage. Uh, maybe there are lazy brothers among us that need to hear this word. And, and even for, for, for other brothers, they need to understand that you need to deal with this seriously. Paul dedicated this entire section to address this. Not, to, not for us to uh, make them, uh, not for us to become enablers of laziness. But because we love our brother and we're going to encourage him and say, Hey, no, you need to earn your own living. May God help us to, to work hard. Not, not just for, um, for earning our own living and, and getting a salary or for our boss, but as for the Lord with a heart of gratitude for His work on the cross for us. That out of an abundance of gratitude and love for Him, we will work hard us for the Lord. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we know that especially in this season, it's, it's been difficult, Lord. And I don't want to make light of the situation that we find ourselves in. And many families are indeed in, in need. And I do pray, Lord, for them. I do pray that you would um, provide for them and, and help them. And even help us as we try to, um, to help those that are in need the brothers and sisters among us. I do pray, Lord, uh, um, that tonight, that if there are lazy brothers and sisters among us, Lord, that you will convict them of this sin. I, I ask you and pray that you will convict them and that they will repent and turn to you, that they will be able to that you will provide for them work and that they will work hard and earn their own living. Not meddling and, and being uh, busy bodies, but working quietly as for the Lord. So Lord, I, I pray that you will help us, help us to work with a heart of gratitude for what you have done for us. Your work in our lives, your work, this, the work of Jesus in the cross. Uh, we are so thankful, Lord. And so we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, I hope this was a, a blessed 
time for you, and I just would like to close with a doxology from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. God bless.